Mr. Woods, I just have, I just, I just ask you for one thing, man. One Talk thing. To me. Just please beat Green Bay. Please, please. <laughs> That's all we ask for on this show. That's it. Alrighty. Bears Nation Podcast. It is, what's today? May 5th. I should know that. Um, it is Wednesday, May 5th. Bears Nation Podcast. Another episode, another day, another dollar. I don't know what we're going to talk about, guys. What, you guys, you guys have any ideas? I don't. I don't no. Clue. You guys want to talk about anything? And like, no, we had a lot of shows, so whatever got, comes to mind. We got fifty-eight minutes to fill. I don't know. We might have to go to the comments. I just, I got nothing. As the host of the show, that's a failure on me. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a reflection on me as the host. I should know better. You know, it was just a really bland week, and there's nothing. Literally, nothing happening. I don't. All right, I appreciate everyone going with that bit for the last minute. Um, no, of course we have stuff to talk about. What are we talking about here? Um, the draft happened, and the Bears traded up, and you have a franchise quarterback, and you have a bunch of other – you trade up in the second round. And boy, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm, it's like I, I'm wearing I'm wearing a Bears shirt for the first time in probably two years, two, a year and a half. I mean, it's like there, there was no reason to wear it. I mean, there was nothing to be excited for. It was, it was like you would look at a shirt. Me personally, I'd be like, okay, but do I like, do I really want to deal with like kind of the shame of having to support a team <laughs> that I really have no faith? In? It was shame. It was legitimate shame. Like, and now here we are. It is May fifth of twenty twenty one, and the had a franchise quarterback for the first time ever. Ever and, and, and this Justin Fields, of course, is who we're talking about. The eighth, eighth, eleventh overall selection in the 2021 draft, who the Bears traded up nine spots for quarterback out of Ohio State, who went to national championship game, who won one. No, 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 no. Went to a national championship game. Wow, I'm really firing on also. I, I committed to the bit too hard, and now I'm just my brain is fried. Um, no, but a a quarterback who played against top tier competition, who has been on the biggest stage collegiately, who has played against some of the best players collegiately, and is now heralded as some people said the second best quarterback in the draft. Couldn't believe he fell all that way. Uh, was once someone who was considered a top two pick who would have been a number one overall pick in some drafts any other year, some people said, and is now the face of the franchise despite probably sitting on the bench for the first couple of weeks. It feels really, really good. It yeah. feels amazing. Uh, you know, this happened, <clears throat> we're recording this on May 5th. Draft happened on, what was it, the 29th? And I still, mm-hmm. you know, Chris tweets this every day. says, I get to wake up every morning knowing Justin Fields is my quarterback, and it's a great feeling. And I think he tweeted today, imagine waking up and not having Justin Fields as your quarterback. Couldn't be us because we get to wake up to that joy every single day. So uh, it's certainly an exciting feeling. You talked about him being heralded as a potential second overall pick. I want to throw this out there early. Um, I believe, I forget who it was that went on to uh, David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood show on ESPN 1000. I forget exactly who it was. might have been Albert Breer or something. Um, Went on and said, at least six teams, and most likely more, had a higher draft grade on Justin Fields than they did Trevor Lawrence. And there was a later report that that confirmed or that it was over half the league or something. Half the league had a higher grade on Justin Fields than they did Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that just puts things into perspective. For some reason, the teams between you know picks one and eleven 
10 of them were part of the people that had, you know, Lawrence and a few other players above, uh, above fields. But um, I mean, that's just, it's just a representation of the kind of value you got um, with Justin Fields there. And it, it's an incredible feeling. He has ignited the city. He's ignited the fan base. I mean, we have said this before in our last episode too. I've never seen the fan base so unified. I mean, I, I really haven't. I mean, maybe since 2018, but even in 2018, there was still conversation about Mitchell Trubisky. There was still conversation about Matt Nagy in certain areas. Like this is, it, it's it's an unprecedented moment for Bears fans and, and we're cherishing it and it's going to feel good all the way until training camp. And I'm going to tell you, like people are going to say, oh, you know, let's cherish this while we can because it's going to kind of wane away. And it may, when certain things happen, like a Charles Leno gets cut, those are certain kind of things that fracture um, that unity in the fan base. But come training camp too, like Justin Fields is going to light it up and he's going to light it up early. And this is going to feel good for a long time going into the preseason, going into the regular season. So there, there's a lot to be excited about for a good amount of time coming up man like we have a baller under center now it, it's it's that simple a baller that bears fans aren't used to a baller that bears fans have never seen um under center so it's exciting it, it's exciting uh i mean i i like i'm not even kidding you guys like i wake up every morning and the first thing i think of is like dude we have justin fields like i'm not kidding you guys I'm not, kidding. It's not some sort of twitter game like it's for real. So that's why I tweeted every morning, right when I wake up, like, it's just kind of like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But no, I mean, look, man, um, Pace just, he, he pulled it off. Uh, he made it happen. And, and like Kevin said, I, I personally as well have not seen the Bears fan base act like this. Like everybody's in agreement. Everybody's on the same page. It's different, but it's like a great difference. So, man, I'm, I'm pumped. I, I want him to start week one. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I don't want him to sit. So, Jake? There's, to, the, to the point about the unit thing, like there's people out there who have, even when even in 2018, as we mentioned, who were saying, who weren't believers, said this is a flash in the pan. This can't isn't sustainable. They're not going to be able to keep this up. You know, they're going to go back to the same old Bears next year, which – ended up being correct. There are people who were saying those things then who have been out on this team consistently who are now saying, I'm in on this team. You know, there's something, there is a central figure. There is a, a face to put your faith behind and put your hope in for the next handful of years, not just a one-off year, not just a, a two-year thing. This is Justin Fields is going to be around for potentially 10 plus years. And there, there's sort of a greater impact on that as well. And it comes when you're talking about the whole expectations thing and the, in, you know, the way people have reacted, it, it allows for more patience, which is something you didn't see with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, the moment Mitchell Trubisky came into training camp, you know, like I mentioned before, there's bias against him. Um, you know, anytime he made a bad throw, there was people who were critical about it because they were critical with the pick from the start. And that just started, you know, and obviously, as we know from Mitchell Trubisky's career, like he saw those things, people, you know, he saw social media and the way people reacted. And, you know, it's even the fans who booed him at the stadium. It was just people had no patience with it. The expectation was just not there. And it, it just fans didn't bode well with him from the moment he he became a Chicago Bear. With Justin Fields and with everybody on the same page, with everybody thinking he's going to be great, with everybody loving him, he has more time. People are going to be able to, you know, live through his struggles a little bit if they happen, kind of understand that, kind of be more patient with it. And the just greater respect for him from the fan base is something that's actually really, really important because if he doesn't come in and light up year one, 
I think he will. If he doesn't, there's still people who can go back and say, you know what? This was a good pick. We don't have to believe that, you know, Pace made the wrong decision. We have to believe that from the jump. We don't have to, you know, wait three years to see if Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields, you know, is going to kind of figure it out. Like, it's not that kind of situation anymore because people know this was the right pick. People know this is a great player. And that's going to stay in the back of their minds regardless of what happens going forward. So that is the biggest impact it has, especially on his confidence, especially just on the overall, you know, general feeling of the fan base when you talk about the union you talk about the feeling that we all have it is going to be more sustainable because of that pick where it was picked and the general reaction to it by the fan base and by the media and by really everybody i mean this is a consensus dynamite pick not just from the bears fan base because we know sometimes we can be a little bit unbiased and say you know this pick was better because we're fans of the bears no nationwide everybody had this as the best pick of the draft it was that way that reaction you're getting from chicago from the national market is going to be very very sustainable yeah and you know i i've seen some bears fans already say like guys like we gotta kind of slow down on the excitement we don't even know if he's gonna be this great quarterback yet this and that and i think a lot of that stems from what happened with mitch trubisky Mm -hmm. um i was just talking to justin about that before the show and like it's this is not the same thing like I just want people to understand that like we're talking about two completely different prospects two completely different players two completely different people like Justin Fields has been at the top for so long he's been in every big game you know he's he's carried himself perfectly in all those big games like do you guys remember you know after during the 2019 during the 2020 season every time we talked about a quarterback um you know the type of quarterback we want in chicago we talked about one that you know would be able to handle the pressure of of chicago mm-hmm. you know we'll be able to to handle everything that comes with being the quarterback in chicago and justin fields to me is that guy he's just he's so confident it's his demeanor he's been in every big game you know he's played at the top there's nothing that he hasn't really seen so you know, the only thing for me is, is just if he's able to, 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 you know, get this offense down quickly, like, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't start day one. Mm-hmm. So that's my thing. I don't think pressure will be a problem with Justin Fields. And no. I think that's what excites <laughs> me the most about it. And we broke all this down. We talked all of this on an emergency episode that we did uh, following the draft. We broke, we literally broke it all down uh, on Friday morning. I think we, we did mm-hmm. that. Um, and we put out, we broke everything down, what it means for the bears, for the future, uh, for the city and for the culture of the team. So go look, uh, check that out. Go listen to that. Uh, it's on our, you know, wherever you get your podcast bears nation podcast, you can listen to that episode where we go more in depth about this Justin Fields thing, because, you know, we, we got other guys to talk about, but I think, you know, we can all firmly say a plus pick. <laughs> this is exactly what yes. we wanted out of this draft, uh, regardless of how the rest of the draft won. We were going to be happy with uh, with how it went, but uh, Kevin, what you have one last comment on Justin Fields? I could see it in your face. Yeah, well, there's one thing too. Uh, you know, people were kind of I wouldn't say upset, but people took notice of his reaction to him getting drafted on Thursday night. He was very you know indifferent about it. You know, some, you'll see players cry and celebrate with their families. He you know got up straight face, hugged his family, and people were like, "Well, what the heck? You know, why is he not as excited to be a Chicago Bear? Is that an indictment on you know what the franchise is and all this stuff?" And it's like, dude. The guy's pissed off because they did the math. Him falling from, say, you know, two to 11 is $14 million for him on that <laughs> rookie deal. Like, you pissed off Justin Fields. That's a guy you don't want to piss off. And I saw something on Twitter saying when the Chicago Bears play the New York Jets in the near future uh, or the San Francisco 49ers, what's he going to do when he scores a touchdown? 
He's going to go one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine. Or eight if you play the uh, 49ers, nine if you play the Jets. Just like Patrick Mahomes did to the Bears, he's going to do that exact same thing. I mean, this guy, you could tell it. You could see, you know, just the way he walked around. And, you know, I, I'm, everyone's seen the introductory press comments. Everyone's seen the videos of, you know, the uh, behind-the-scenes videos of him and House Hall. Straight face the whole time. No smiles, all business 24-7. The dude's pissed off, and he's ready to go. So I, I just think, you know, him falling to 11, him losing all that money, it's going to ignite another fire under his ass that, you know, he already has that fire, but it's going to, you know, make it grow bigger. Yeah. I think it's also, you know, to, everyone, every report, whether it's Adam Hoag's, you know, 10 takeaways column, you know, mm-hmm. nope, friend of the program, Adam Hoag, excuse me, um, <laughs> or it's or it's Dan Pompey on The Athletic or Kevin Fishbane on The Athletic, no matter who you're reading, everyone says, you know, what the, what a quiet confidence Justin Fields has, how he's just a leader, you know, he's not a talker, he's a leader, and we've seen that, obviously, at his time at Ohio State. I think it's just more of like a, you know, how, how many draft picks do you really see, like, break down in tears, you know, it, it, so, you know, like, everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently. You know, like obviously people are already, of course, you know, Bears fans have been uh, not exactly had a lot of stuff to celebrate over the last few years. So they're already thinking the worst. Like Kevin said, he's a guy who's pissed off. He lost $14 million falling that far. And it's also like, he knows, he knows the situation he's in. He knows exactly where he is. He's not, he's not stupid for sure. He's, he knows exactly what the situation is what this city has been starved of, what the fans of this team have been starved of. He knows what's going on. And, and I like that. I would, I would want that from a, a guy who is the first franchise quarterback in this team's history. I'd want him to come and be like, yeah, let's, you know, the video of him on the phone, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Let's get to work. That's exactly what you want from, from a rookie quarterback who you are drafting to be the face of the franchise for the next 10 years. That's exactly what you want. So again, we broke all this down. We talked about all this on our uh, last episode of Bears Nation podcast. Went really in-depth for about 45 minutes to an hour on Justin Fields. But that wasn't the only trade-up that the Bears made. Ryan Pace was certainly not done. Went to day two. You know, when everyone was saying, you know, we had Jerry Azuma on this show saying they should take an all-lineman or a DB. We had Adam Hogue on here saying, you know, if they stay at 20, probably an all-lineman's going to be a pick. Anywhere you read, every mock, everything, if they stayed at 20, it was probably going to be offensive lineman. And it was a lot of people in a lot of those mock drafts had Tevin Jenkins at number 20 to the Chicago Bears. Well, they still get their guy just 19 picks that they were going to get. And Pace, I mean, we we said this. Ryan Pace was going to use those extra picks. He was not going to mess around. And if somebody like Jenkins was going to fall – that Ryan Pace would not hesitate to pull the trigger on someone that talented at a position of need for the Chicago Bears. We said that on this show, too, even. So Tevin Jenkins falls into the second round. He's fallen a couple more spots. Ryan Pace pulls the trigger and gets a guy who had a first-round grade, an offensive lineman. I mean, again, this is – you might not like the price, whatever, but at a position of need where you were hurting, a guy who is – who his head coach, his own head co- college head coach – said, oh, yeah, he's still, like, finding another gear. Like, he just really started committing to football about 18 months ago. Like, oh <laughs> you you get that guy. You you get that guy, and now he's, you know, Charles Leno gets cut. You know, Charles Leno was good. He's a seventh-round pick for what he was. Awesome. Exceeded expectations far and beyond. You cut him for salary cap reasons, which is not the first time we've seen that from this team. And you say, all right, Tevin Jenkins, left tackle job's yours. Like, 
to have that kind of confidence in that guy, like, I mean, and he's already on social media saying, where can I get pizza? So hook me up with a Blackhawks jersey. I mean, another, in my head, A-plus pick, home run, just absolutely, you know, your first two picks are absolute home run steals. I, Ryan Pace say, probably saved his job for at least two more years with these two picks alone. Easily. Yeah. Yeah, I like – he could have he could have reached on every single pick after this and I would have walked away thinking we won the draft so mm-hmm. yeah uh first two rounds flawless like I mean you walked away with your quarterback you walked away with your franchise left tackle at the time I, I think we were more so thinking he was right a right tackle you know him at, we uh, thought he'd compete we didn't even know if he'd start right away yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good point I mean we, we, I mean, we just kind of assumed Leno was the left tackle, right, for this year yeah. at least. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, like like you said, Jake, they have confidence in Tevin Jenkins, and it's not for no reason. Like, this guy is a mauler. This guy, if mm-hmm. he gets his hands on you, it's scary. It, it's genuinely scary. There's a clip of him. Um, he was he, – he had – he grabbed somebody at – literally at the line of scrimmage, like at the point of attack right away, just kind of – and, and he just drove them, like, to the sideline. That happened in the middle of the field. He just kind of, like, carried them for, for 10 yards straight to the sideline. And the play was over, like, three, yeah, three five seconds before that happened. And he was just literally dragging the guy to the sideline. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, that is insane. So, yeah, um, this guy will be protecting for Justin Fields for a long time. A damn good player, Ryan Pace, A-plus again. Let me tell you what this means, too, uh, from a franchise standpoint. You immediately invested in your quarterback and invested mm-hmm. in your offense and invested in what you need to do to you know, protect your quarterback for the coming years. Now, let's compare that to the team up north who's having a little, uh, a few issues with their franchise quarterback and their general manager. Yes, I'm speaking of Aaron Rodgers and Brian What? How do you pronounce his name? Is it Gutenkust? I think it's Gutenkust. Gutenkust. Anyway, he was compared to Jerry Krause by Aaron Rodgers in a group chat or something. Obviously, there's bad blood, but, you know, the the Packers did not draft a single wide receiver in the first round in Aaron Rodgers' tenure. They only drafted one offensive player in the last 10 years, and that one offensive player was Jordan Love, your replacement. No investment in, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And people people are saying now, you know, the Packers never deserved him. The Packers never deserved Aaron Rodgers because they didn't invest in him at all in any of the rounds during the draft in free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of put together a good offensive line, but in other areas and the other things that they did, you, you didn't invest in your quarterback. So to see the Bears immediately say, you know what, we're going to go up, trade, you know, future draft capital to invest in our quarterback who we just got. I mean, it shows not only a tremendous amount of confidence, but that's how you run an organization. I mean, that's how you do it when you get a franchise quarterback and you know, you know, your offensive line isn't necessarily the greatest. Does it have promise with a lot of young players? Yes, but is it solidified? No. And you know that, then you got to go get a guy like Tevin Jenkins. And they did that. So it's, it's, that's why this is such a phenomenal move is like the sequence of events makes it greater. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm really impressed with it. Have you guys seen that movie, the Christmas story around Christmas time? No, yeah. you've never seen that. Oh my God. You guys really need to start watching movies, man. No, because you know imagine many- thinking I don't watch movies. You know how many movies the Christmas story. It's a classic. You know how many Christmas movies I've watched growing up? Like and, now, and that's not one of them. I don't. I don't remember them off the top anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, that one Christmas movie. I don't. 
No, I know for a fact I've never seen that movie. Wait. Well, there's a part of the movie. Come on, little kid. Uh, uh, he gets the red rifler gun, and then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. I'm thinking yeah. of a. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. of uh, that that real old, like real old one. Uh, whatever, it does matter. Yes, I have seen that. Yes. So okay. there's a part of the movie where the teacher he's having a fantasy, and the teacher goes up to the board because he like wrote a paper about his red rifler gun or something for you know what he wanted for Christmas, and the teacher goes up to the board and goes a plus plus and puts like nine pluses at the end of it, and that scene kept popping in my mind after the draft because that's literally how I would have graded this draft for Ryan Pace. Like I know Mel Kiper gave him B plus, a few people gave him an A minus, like. This is an A-plus dynamite draft off the first two picks. Like, we're going to talk about the picks after that, but I give him an A-plus before knowing what was going to happen on day three. You know, I didn't care. You got your franchise quarterback, and you got Devin Jenkins in the second round. A-plus, plus, plus, plus. That's that's truly how I felt. I mean, if we were, we we're going to grade this pick, I mean, the Tevin Jenkins pick alone is an A-plus, and the Justin Field pick alone is an A-plus, right? I mean, how can you say it's any lower? Like, yeah, those yeah. two picks individually. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think everybody that graded it lower than an A is just kind of not paying attention, if I'm being honest. Because it's because it's like, what more could they have done to get that A plus? Unless unless you just decided you're not giving A pluses out. That's yeah. like seriously. You know what I mean? I mean, you get you get Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields with your first two picks. You get Justin Fields at 11. You know, a guy who's considered the second best quarterback in this draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that like, what what is an A plus then? right (laughs) really yeah and and just having those two and that sends a message to justin fields too saying hey like Mm -hmm. you're you're the guy we want to keep you protected i mean that's an immediate connection for those two as well Mm -hmm. and you know and like chris said this guy is just nasty jenkins is just he he quoted himself he said i'm a tough physical nasty mf a dude who does not shy away from hits a dude who's going to bust his ass like that's someone like chicago bears fans and just the fits the mold of like who you want as a Chicago Bears player. And like I said, I mean, Mike Gundy said he just like, I was reading last night on the athletic uh, a piece from Adam Johns that he just started like really committing to football. Mike Gundy said like 18 months ago and like really figured out like how good he could be like a year ago. Like before that, he was just kind of like coasting by on his raw athleticism. And then like a year, year and a half ago decided, Oh, Hey, like, I could be really, really good if I really like start busting my ass a little bit more and then started to. And so, and then he went to the draft and he was projected as first round pick and that's probably not even a ceiling. So I mean, it's it's a great, it's a great pairing. It's something like you have two cornerstones at two premium positions in the first two rounds far outside where they probably should have been drafted. It is, it's crazy to be this happy about the first two rounds alone, a whole draft. Yeah, you got two great, you got two great players on great value, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's yeah, a plus, easy. And and just a last note on the on Jenkins and Fields, like people are gonna cry about you know draft picks and stuff. You might be hoping that those draft picks turn into Tevin Jenkins or Justin Fields at some yeah. point. You know, like it's like you know you know draft t- draft picks, no matter what, are to some extent lottery picks lottery tickets and mm-hmm. yeah I, i'd rather put my lottery tickets on justin fields and tevin jenkins for the future uh as opposed to you know some random defensive back or wide receiver next year so yeah i i'm completely fine with it i i cannot wait to see these guys um moving on though to the rest because we got more players that we need to break down here and more guys to talk about because 
you know, we we like to talk about it like it is, but Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins were not the only players that the Chicago Bears <laughs> took in the 2021 draft. It might seem like it is, but it isn't. Um, of course, it went three rounds then without pace, making a pick, and you kind of had to wait a while on day three uh, until the Chicago Bears were back on the clock. But once they did, went back to the well with the offensive line, went to Larry Borum out of Missouri, and – I mean, a lot of people like him, and I don't hate going to another tackle, especially if, you know, Jermaine Effetti is going to be your guy on the right side, and he's only making $2.5 million, I believe. Like, If you could get a rookie who people seem to be pretty high on, I mean, a lot of people were high on this pick as well. Seemed like Borum could have been a higher pick uh, than where he was taken, so I, I, I like it. And again, even if he's just a backup, look at how often guys get injured. You're going to need quality offensive linemen more often than not. Always, hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I like this pick. Kind of solidified to me, like the type of offensive lineman the Bears are looking for. Uh, it mm, seems like they're true. kind of going more, more so for the that combination of speed and power as opposed to like the technician. That's what I got. You know, once they had drafted Borum, I was kind of like, okay, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, like they're not going for that technician. They're going more for that just raw talent, just the guy's going to be in your face, just putting you in the dirt type thing. And I like it. I like that type of upside um, that, that Jenkins and Borum both have. Um, I don't, I didn't watch too much of Borum, um, but I do know that that's kind of like his calling card, just kind of the same thing as Tevin Jenkins, just being big, being athletic, being, you know, pretty good on your feet. So look, I mean, this pick, you got another, you got another good player at, at a premium position. So mm-hmm. you'll take it hundred percent. You absolutely take it. And I think the common denominator between these two guys, Jenkins and Borum is like, these guys are nasty, man. And and they have a lot of fire to them. And it's like that people say that's what's kind of been missing on the bears offensive line. I mean, Kyle long was that guy, uh, you know, a while back and, you know, he brought that fire all the time. And then when he started to get injured, that kind of, you know, waned away and then no one really filled that role for a while. It seemed like, um, you know, white hair was never really, he has never really seemed like that guy. Even James Daniels has never really seemed like that guy, but now both Jenkins and Borum are that guy. And it's like, okay, now we're getting who we want on the offensive line. Like you have a good mix now of guys who are extremely nasty and Borum could end up being the right tackle. I think potentially may, maybe sure. not this year, but in the future, he's got versatility. He can play guard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, looking at what you have, if you really believe in what most people do in Ryan basically does that Tevin Jenkins will be the left tackle for you know the future unless he struggles for whatever reason because he hasn't played that position very much I think he played like once in college um but you have nasty guys there in the tackle position then you got like Chris mentioned some of those technique guys and you know Cody Whitehair and James Adams at the guard position then you know Mustafa there at at center so you know you got a good mix across the line I think you're kind of happy now looking at what you have and the thing to remember too is like I'm not going to say Ryan Pace has been a phenomenal drafter offensive lineman in the later rounds but just just like taking the samples of uh, Mustafer and Barris, it's like he can find value late. You know, he those two guys were undrafted. Barris was undrafted. So exactly. Both of those guys were undrafted. I think Mustafer was undrafted as well. I think so. so. Yeah. I think you're right. You know, we'll talk about the undrafted guys later, but, you know, we, we know Pace has had a knack for finding guys late. Offensive lineman could very well be another, you know, position that falls under that category. So I'm really excited about Larry Bourne. I mean, this guy is ginormous and he punishes people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of saw they went for a similar type player there in Bourne and, and Jenkins. And, and I think you're still happy. People want a wide receiver. People wanted cornerback. 
there, but you know, I, I think you can't go wrong with offensive line. You, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain. They went back to back offensive line. Right. I mean, again, it's, it's the whole investment thing. You know, the more you have the merrier. I'm not going to lie. Like if they had drafted a punter in the third round, I would have been mad after Fields and Jenkins. Cause I, I like, let's be real yeah, about it. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to remember too, who the offensive line coaches for the, for the bears. You have mm-hmm. Juan Castillo there, a guy who is far and wide across the league, considered one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. And who, a guy who was playing Mitch uh, was playing, matchup you know who was trying to mix and match mm-hmm. with this offensive line for most of the year and then when he finally did find a, a combination that he liked and that the team liked with Mustafer and bars uh plugged in there in the starting lineup look at what they were able to do not just for david montgomery but for the whole offense and, and granted i know it was against some you know lower tier competition but it's still offensive line is easy to see when they're yeah. doing well and when they're not. And they were doing much better when Mustafa and bars were there. And now you have bars who you can move around wherever you want to, because he's probably, you know, with Daniel's coming back guards, his best position. So you're probably not going to throw him at tackle, but you know, you get a couple of raw, nasty guys like Borum and Jenkins in there for Juan Castillo to work with. I mean, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. That's exactly what you want. So and like Kevin said, it's investment. You, th- you think David Montgomery is pretty happy about the investment mm-hmm. here? I-, I would say probably. I, so. <laughs> I would say probably so. Uh, and, and again, we mentioned already, Justin Fields is probably pretty happy about it. Andy Dalton's probably pretty happy about it. Um, and to, to even further that point, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are probably pretty happy. You know, they have time to run their routes and get down the field and then not rush throws. You know, this is, you know, a line that can protect the quarterback, whether, you know, whoever it is at whatever given week. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always love investing in offensive line. I think that's something you always have to do. So that is completely fine with me. Uh, moving on to the trio of six-round picks, we'll start with the first. Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech is uh, a running back. A lot of people were kind of scratching their heads saying, why did they take a running back? This wasn't a pick to take uh, for just a running back. We know. We all love David Montgomery. Big David Montgomery show here. We know you're getting Tariq Cohen back. We know. We know. We've heard it all. We, we know. We've watched this team too. The the thing that stood out here, and, and you know, when you're in these later rounds, you have to find an intangible or something that sticks out for these guys that you think that could help your team. And for Herbert, it's special teams. You know, Virginia Tech, big special team school. They prioritize special teams. They, you know, they have a jersey that they give out to a player each week for being the special teams player of the week. Herbert had it once, and he's a special teams a, a savant. If you will, like there's clearly a reason he was drafted here and special teams is that reason. And you need it. You've lost a couple guys who were key contributors on special teams. You need like there's three facets of this game, you know, special teams goes by the wayside a lot, but it's still super important. And when you can get a guy as highly regarded on that unit as Herbert, you got to take it. And I think, I think I thought this was great value and someone Mm -hmm. again, who you can plug right in and has a role right away. Yeah, hundred um, percent. This guy, I believe, initially committed to Kansas. I don't know how long he played there, um, but I do remember he was on the Kansas Jayhawks football roster for a little bit. Um, I, I didn't think he was going to go running back here. Pace, I, I, I was kind of shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hate it. Like I wasn't pissed at it. Um, we talked about the reasons why I wasn't pissed at it, but, um, I, it was just kind of like one of those things. I was just like, okay, uh, he, like 
I think they just saw something they really liked and special teams could have been that, but I think they just saw something they really liked in him because I, me personally, I was bigger on Jamar Jefferson, who's now of course a Detroit lion because that's how it goes. But if I thought if they were going to go running back, it was going to be someone like Jamar Jefferson. We talked about the Oregon state RB coach now at Mm -hmm. now in Chicago. So Mm -hmm. I thought that just kind of made too much sense, but um, I don't hate it. Um, I'm okay with it. You know, maybe he gives, the backfield a little bit more juice. Um, he gives the special teams a little more juice. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I, I think Kula Herbert could be something. I'll go as far as to say this is the most underrated pick of the draft. And and I truly believe that. I mean, Jake, you know, we should be no, there it should be no secret in Chicago, the impact that special teams can have. I mean, we have Devin Hester for these many years and then Cordero Patterson, you know, kind of a little break and good returners. And then Cordero Patterson comes in and, you know, I think, between those two players and the history of the Chicago Bears, we have a special appreciation and understanding of what good special teams can do. I mean, it can change the course of a game in an instant. And, and people sometimes think of special teams when you talk about the returning aspect is just sort of a boomer bust type thing. It's sort of binary where either you, you know, you're getting out to 25, you're scoring a touchdown. That's not the case. I mean, field position is one of the most important things in football and Cordell Patterson was consistently getting you good field position. And Tariq Cohen was as well on the returns, but here's what you have to remember. I don't know if Tariq Cohen's ever going to return a punt again. I mean, I you know I would love to see him yeah. do it, but he tore his ACL on a punt play. From a psychological standpoint, as a player, you may not want to throw yourself into that situation again, given your sure. history uh, of that you know type of feeling. So, Khalil Herbert averaged twenty three and a half yards per return at Virginia Tech. That's a hell of a job. He has versatility as a kick returner and a punt returner. That's exactly what you are looking for in the sixth round here, and a guy like that. And think about it, if you can get that type of value out of a guy in the sixth round. You know, to be your full-time kick returner and punt returner, and even if he's not ready to play running back, you trot him out there as a full-time special teams guy, you know, you're talking about great value there in the sixth round. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, I've said this before, and you guys know this, and you guys are, uh, you know, aware of this as well, is, you know, I've the Bears should not draft a running back before the fourth round ever again, maybe before the third <laughs> round, unless it's a dynamite prospect. That's why I didn't like the Steelers taking Najee Harris. I mean, sure. Was it a position of need for them? Did they reach for Najee Harris at what was it? 24? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. You can find extreme value. And oftentimes what? what Najee is? Harris is the man. Okay. He is the man. They See, didn't reach. They unless- didn't reach. Unless it's a dynamite prospect. And for them, that dynamite pact was Najee Harris. Once you get into rounds two through six, like, I'm sorry. Like, I think some of these guys could be just as good as Javante Williams from North Carolina. Like, I, that's just the way it is. I mean, James, like I said, James Robinson last year, undrafted rookie, nearly one rookie of the year. I mean, you could go through the list of late round running backs who have turned to be big time impact players in the NFL. Don't be surprised if down the road or even this year, Khalil Herbert gets some time. I mean, the, the, these. The, the Bears have trotted out Ryan Nall for whatever reason. They're willing <laughs> to give some of these guys potentially in, right. you know, some of these smaller guys chances. What will they do with the chances? I don't know. So Khalil Herbert here, extreme value pick, will be in five years. To look back at this is probably the most underrated pick of the draft. This or Daz Newsome? Well, I guess that leads into a perfect segue. <laughs> Kevin kind of said, was, so yeah, I mean, the next pick uh, with just a few picks later, um, four picks later, Bears finally went to wide receiver. They went to Daz Newsom out of North Carolina, who is going to, by the way, be on this show next week. He's going to sit and talk with us for about 15 minutes. Bears six-round draft pick, Bears rookie. Uh, Daz Newsom is going to come on the Bears Nation podcast, talk with us about 
you know, draft process, you know, working with Justin Fields, getting to work with Allen Robinson, being a shadow bear. We'll talk about all that with him next week. But right now we're going to break it down a little bit. And this is, again, you know, we touched on, you know, Herbert being a returner. Newsom's probably going to get some kick return duties. He he did it at North Carolina. He's a fast guy. You have that gaping hole where Cord- Cordell Patterson used to be. Got to fill it, and you, you need a returner. And we saw when Patterson wasn't returning kicks, there was a steady drop-off. And granted, <laughs> Cordell Patterson's the best return man in the league, and he has been for a long time. So there's, of course, going to be a drop-off. But, you know, Newsom could do a couple different things. And if he sees the field – you know, we've been talking about, you know, the, the writing seems to be on the wall there for Anthony Miller and Javon Wims and a couple other guys. Doesn't help, doesn't, doesn't help, doesn't hurt to get another guy in there to maybe push the room a little bit and maybe step up a little bit and, and prove his worth and say, all right, you know, maybe this guy can be the third or fourth receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know how, I don't know how he fell to the sixth round. Like I, I seriously have no idea. Um, I, you guys saw the tweet. Under the tweet, someone asked where Dazmusen would be drafted in January. I was like, um, I think early day two, like early day two, maybe late day two. Wow. I think day two, though. Like that was my point, day two. And I would have been happy with Dazmusen on day two. And we got him in the sixth round. Um, you guys talked about, you know, the, the special teams value, but I seriously think he's going to produce on offense. I genuinely think in the plot, Daz Newsom could be a problem. This guy gets open so quick. His footwork is unreal. Um, man, a great route runner. That's you guys know. Mm-hmm. I love you guys know how I feel about the route runners. And I mean, he's always open. Um, and, and just the, the one thing I love in every football player is just playing with passion and hunger. And Daz Newsom mm-hmm. brings it every single snap, every single snap. Daz Newsom is ready to go. And, and I love it. I think he's going to produce um, day one. I genuinely think so. Offensively, too. I agree. I mean, it, it appears now. It does appear now that Anthony Miller is here to stay. That I, I can we about yeah. confirm that at this what point? Is, like, what are you going to? You can't. You're not going to get anything for him, bro. Yeah, you might as well squeeze something out of him. And, and someone made right. this analogy, and I think it's a fair comparison. Kyle Fuller. I mean, Kyle Fuller was a guy many thought would get cut after his third year. A guy who didn't have had a lot of success success his rookie year, kind of fell off. You're seeing the same trends with Anthony Miller. A lot of promise after the first year, kind of fell off, showed flashes of being great. And then Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller, I think, was always consistently a little bit better. He was all maybe always a tier above Anthony sure. Miller. Talking yeah. about, you know, those but you look at the trends in general. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, maybe a potential cut uh guy in training camp, boom, turns into a Pro Bowl in the coming years. Like I think. Is that going to happen with Anthony Miller? It's unlikely. Is it a possibility we can keep in mind? Maybe something we can kind of hope for given the situation and given, you know, a new quarterback and a new system with more confidence potentially. Okay. Um, But back to the point with Daz Newsom. I mean, this is a guy who you, I think Chris is right. I mean, you talk about impact players in the coming years. No, this is a guy who can be an impact player year one as well. I mean, is he going to go for 607 touchdowns? No. Could he go for 405? Sure. I think he definitely can. And Chris talked about route winning, and and there was a lot of people who were very upset to find out Des Newsom's forty yard dash time was not a four three eight because there was a misconception that he ran a four three eight, and then someone went back and figured out he actually ran a four five seven, and that's confirmed time. Des Newsom four five seven forty. People were like, "What the heck? You know, this guy's slow or whatever." I thought we were getting the four three eight guy, and I thought we were getting another speed Darnell Mooney guy, and all this and all that. Look, 
I was listening to a footwork doctor, the guy who works with Dave Montgomery, works with the best wide receivers in the league, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen. Um, I think he works out of maybe Hopkins as well, works with a bunch of DBs. And he said, you know, when it comes to route running, your route running can, you know, almost be more impactful when you're talking about separation than your speed can. Watch a guy like Keenan Allen. Watch a guy like Devontae Adams. These guys are not Blazers. They're not, are they fast players? Yes, they're fast. But are they Blazers compared to Tyreek Hill? No, not even close. But how do they continue to create separation, be open all the time because of their route running. It's extremely important. So before, you know, you get too upset that Daz Newsom runs a four five seven and is in 0.2 seconds slower than what you initially thought, take a look at his film, take a look at his route running. Those capabilities can, you know, almost make it seem like he's running a four three with the amount of separation he can get through that. So very, very important that that route running is sound, is sound because it, it makes up for that, you know, quote unquote lack of speed that people are talking about. I'm so happy you brought that up because I I wanted to say like that was the point I've I've been that's the point I've been trying to make for years like speed isn't everything for a wide receiver if you mm-hmm. can run routes that's almost just as much of an advantage if not more and uh, I, another thing about Daz Newsom's forty time okay four five seven I just want you guys to know his on the field speed is much faster than that first second of all daz newsom doesn't really win with his speed anyway like that's not how daz newsom wins his his matchups he wins his matchups with his footwork and his route running so just throwing that out there but he does have speed he does have speed so just to me i think he's i think he's a good mix between mooney and miller that's like that's how a good yeah I'll take that. <laughs> That's, uh, I just remembered this. Kevin, what was your 40 time when you did it? Like last summer or something? I was like, when I did it, it was like a four, five, two or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah I'm, hey, I'm a, I'm a fast dude, man. Y'all be dying. That's, people that's, for, people forget Kevin was on the uh, Sports Center Snapchat that one time. Yeah, um, I was on Sports Center Snapchat, dusting my boy on the selfie cam. Go go peep it on my Instagram. <laughs> Good time. This was a mistake. This was a mistake. Um, no, I mean, it, just to kind of because I, I want to recap the last two picks real quick because I, I have a mm-hmm. question that relates. You know, Khalil Herbert and Daz Newsome. I I also agree. I think they're going to be day one contributors, whether that's on special teams or respective to their positions. But what does this mean for Riley Ridley, Javon Wims? We talked about Anthony Miller already, but also Artavis Pierce, Ryan Nall. Like, I mean, those are four guys, two from each room that, you know, have kind of been on the outs, you know, especially Riley Ridley and then even Artavis Pierce to an extent. Like, I mean, these guys are – if Newsom and Herbert perform well, one of those guys or both is going to be out. Like, okay, let's just, let's just like, think about this specific thing for a second. They drafted Daz Newsom – or, sorry, before that, they brought in Marquise Goodwin, drafted Daz mm-hmm. Newsom, then signed Demir Burt. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't like. I I don't know. There's no way that's a good thing for these guys, right? Like, well, the, the wide receivers at least. Like, I mean, the, like Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. Like, you're not. Both of these guys can contribute. Like, this is these are mm-hmm. not guys you're taking necessarily a chance on. Like, I think these are vets that could could contribute. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Like. Both gone. I mean, it's cut yeah, city. I, I, I yeah, cuts. I, I don't know, guy. Why the hell is Javon? I couldn't tell you why Javon Williams is still on the roster. I could well, not say give you one single reason. Yeah, but there's more reason. That, come on, Anthony Miller's a better Fair. player than Javon, Javon Williams, and he's done it before. Javon, Javon Williams has never done it. 
Javon lost is over. Yeah, it's over, Chris. It, it, Dude, it, did it ever really know. start? Was it's it ever really? Chris. Chris. Chris, Chris, I think I think you were the only B in the Javon Wims hive, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were the only one, man. Let it I go. Really it's well, over. There was there were a couple people on Twitter on my side, but that's about it. Your uh, burners. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> no. But Dez knew some hive, man. Start it up. Perfect. Yeah. Fine. Perfect. Hey, we're all Perfectly in. fine with me. Um, all right, wrapping up the draft. Uh Kyrus Tonga. Nose tackle out of BYU, enormous, just a body. Wait, Thomas Graham, Thomas Graham, you forgot Thomas Graham too. Oh, I did. Oh my god, that's me. That's my bad. Um, no, Thomas Graham. Uh, we talked about a little bit earlier. CB Oregon. Uh, you know the connection with his position coach. You you lost Kyle Fuller, and you don't really know what you have with guys like Artie Burns. Depth is absolutely needed here. I, I think this is another guy who could come in and compete if he performs well could take someone's spot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that's up in the air as far as the corner position goes for the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson, great, awesome. You like what you've seen from Duke Shelley and Kendall Vilder, but, I mean, behind those three, and even really even really only behind Johnson and Shelley, you really don't know what there is. Yeah. Um, I tweeted this out when they made the pick. Like, this was a guy in January who some draft analysts considered as a first-round pick. Okay, mm-hmm. round pick, and the Bears got him in the sixth round. Um, honestly, like people asked, why did he fall? And I generally think he just fell because he opted out of, of this past college football season. Like, there's no, there was nothing I saw that was like, okay, I mean, this guy's a sixth rounder. There was no, you know, size problem. There was nothing. It was nothing. It was just the fact that that people thought him opting out, man. I don't know. He didn't care about. Like, it's so crazy. In what world? In what world does opting out make you less desirable? Like, if anything, that's one less sure. one less year of taking a beating. Like, it's just they don't have enough film from the last year. That you know, players sure. regressed, and there were you know, I think that's where it stems from. But yeah, I mean, like, this is we're not complaining right here, man. This is great value. I've, I watched uh, Thomas Graham quite a bit for ASU purposes. Um, watched him live, and that was a game that. Um, we don't have to talk about right now, but Thomas Graham is a great player. And so uh, he was, so PFF, which I don't like to credit much because I'm not the hugest fan of their metrics and the things that they do. I think they had him as a top 10 cornerback and projected him as a third rounder this year. So, you know, right before the draft, like we're not talking about like in January or years past this year, had this guy as a top 10 cornerback. Like that, that speaks volumes. Although it's PFF, people have their opinions on it. Like, that's someone's, you know, a- a- analysis that had a guy who probably had, you know, 20 cornerbacks taken ahead of him, you know, as as a 10 uh, as a top 10 cornerback. So he had uh, he ranked in the top 10 among FBS cornerbacks in 2018 and 2019 in passing stops and plays made on the ball. So you're looking at a ball hawk type player, um, mm-hmm. guy who's probably better in zone coverage. It's the common denominator among all these picks is one value. The value is un- unbelievable, especially when you look at the first two and then you start to look at, you know, Newsom and Graham and, and Herbert. Like value obviously is there. But also I think you're finding a lot of guys who will be instant contributors. And to me, that's indicative of of, of two things. One, Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy are on the hot seat and know they have to succeed quickly and at least show promise from some of these guys to the point where even if they don't have a winning record, they'll see enough promise in the youth and the younger players and say, hey, let's run it back, keep us around town. That's number one. And number two, they are ready and, and prepared to win now. 
and want to bring in players who will help them do that because you've done that with a lot of these guys. And even like these six rounders, like Thomas Graham could come in and make noise in camp because the lack of cornerback depth is, is real. And, you know, when you look at a guy like him and Artie Burns, like to me, he's got just as much of a shot as say a guy like yeah. Artie Burns or say a guy like Brandon Roberson, or even maybe, um, you know, Kendall Vildor, who is also, who's taken what the six sure. round last year too, right? Or was he five? I can't remember exactly. I want to say five. Three guys. I, wanna, I think I it, was say five. it was five. Um, but that's, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's just incredible value. And it's guys who are going to make some noise in camp and that should be exciting for bears fans. Right. I mean, that should be exciting that you're going to get a chance to see late round picks contribute early, at least in the camp, because you know, that that's rare for franchises. We talked before in our preview, uh, our, our preview podcast, oh, you know, let's find some guys who are going to be developmental, maybe, you know, can contribute potentially, but are going to be some guys who are going to be very successful down the road. That's what we're looking for. Day three, six rounders, seventh rounders, fifth rounders, things like that. That's just really also the never, never the way Ryan Pace has operated. I mean, he's consistently found gems in the later rounds and is looking for guys who he wants to come in and contribute day one. Thomas Graham is number one of those guys. And that's part of the reason why you can't help but be excited about this draft class is like, we don't got to wait. Like these are all players who are going to start soon. And I know Chris has been saying it like, I can't believe we have four months till the season. Cause I just want to watch these guys out on the field, man. Th- like the time after the draft is always the worst. Cause I feel like there's, there's so much still going on in football between the super bowl and the draft. Like, so you know what I mean? Like you're kind of kept busy, but after the, the draft, agency, it's so. like, yeah, exactly. And then after the draft's kind of like, all right, this is when the off season really begins. Like this is when we're just waiting, doing absolute freaking nothing. Yeah. But then you have camp. You yeah, that is that's a good point. That is that is a good point. But as far as regular season football goes, I mean that's that's what we're all waiting for, man. That's that's it. it it's yeah, it's so weird being like, I mean not weird because I feel like we were kind of like this last year, but not to this extent of being like just just speed up the next three months, like just yeah. get me just oh, get me there. <laughs> like, uh, but no, uh, last thing I just want to, I mean Tonga. Big body. I mean, it. You need another depth thing like this. It's the shallow position. There's not a lot of depth behind Eddie Goldman. So I, I mean, with someone like Tonga, who's a big body who can eat up space like that, and you know, <laughs> this team has had had success developing defensive linemen, especially in late rounds. Like, even if he's just a rotational guy at some point, that's fine. If for a seven round pick, that's <laughs> you'll take that. I don't know. You guys got any notes on him? Um. You know, I don't know too much about him. Uh, just kind of heard the same things I heard about Borum, really. Just a guy who kind of fell through the cracks and fell into the Bears' laps. You know, a lot of people think this is a great value pick. Um, and, you know, he he his his highlights, I haven't watched tape, but his highlights look really good. I know highlights are kind of just like, it's more for entertainment. You're not fighting, highlights. Yeah, you're not fighting much about players, but... Um, you know, he, he looks like a beast. So I, I'm excited. He's a seventh rounder. If you can get anything out of him, I think, you know, that's great value. Right. No, exactly. Um, last few minutes here, let's hit on some of the undrafted free agents. I mean, the big one here is Gage Cervenka out of Clemson. I mean, that, that's the big one here, right? An offensive line again, but a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are wondering why he didn't get drafted. I mean, Chris, I know you're going to have something here. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I remember hearing his name a lot earlier in the in the process, but man, like I completely forgot about him. Like completely. Like I was I didn't even think why didn't he get drafted? I he left my mind. Like he just kind of I don't know. People just stopped talking about him. Um, you know, this guy was this guy's another guy who's been at the top for a while. You know, uh, he's been there. He, he's produced. 
Um, so for him to fall as an fall to, you know, being an undrafted free agent, I mean, it's great for the Bears. Don't get me wrong. I think you have another piece you could potentially work with. But it's just like you kind of you can't help but like feel bad for some of these guys. It's like, damn, man. Like, well, we just I mean, we just talked about Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars. You know, we just yes. talked about them earlier in this show, like undra- two undrafted guys who are now one's going to be starting next year. Both finished last year starting on the offensive line. Like, yeah, solid pieces who I mean, now you're seeing is guys who are, you know, you couldn't replace on this team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. You feel bad for him, but I mean, hey, great value. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the success, the past success is there taking these guys. 100%. 100%. 100%. Let's also look at tight end Scooter yeah. Harrington out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Horstead, Holtz, Broniker, mm-hmm. uh, the other guy. The Where list all, goes on and on. The list goes on. Our, our our four heroes, our four kings over there in the tight end room, uh, all undrafted, man. And, you know, a few of them aren't here anymore. I think Holtz is still here. Uh, but, you know, obviously we have to pay attention to that position because, you know, are you really going to take a guy like Horstead or whoever it is over a, a younger player like Scooter, Scooter Harrington? Who I you know really don't know anything about. Sorry, I haven't done my deep dive on Scooter Harrington. It's a great name. I love it. Um, but that you have to take note of that because traditionally they they've given opportunities to tight ends, and right now you've got Komet and Graham, and then after that, what it's it's sort of a toss up, right? Is there any names right. I'm missing? I think Holt is on the roster, and I don't who else uh, is no, uh, Demetrius Harris? Is he? Is he? Is he he might be. I might be him. I think he. But regardless, like there's spot. Yeah. There's playing time Ooh. to take there. Holy crap! I completely forgot. Completely about forgot about. I mean, it. he didn't really contribute last year, so I don't blame us oh, for forgetting. But God, that is nuts. That is no, nuts. yeah. To Kevin's point, there's playing time to be had there. Um, before we kind of start wrapping up, Chris, you're the draft guy. Any of these other undrafted free agents stick out to you? Um, you know, I didn't get a full look at the list. Um, man, I, I'm read them off to me. I'll read them right, off. Do you. You, you got them, Jake? I got him, but if you have him, go ahead. You go, Jake. You got the better voice. Okay. Give it to right. us. We're been clean. All right. Uh, CJ Marable, Coastal Carolina. Coyle Ooh. McClain out of that, Troy. That. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First one. I, I did see that one. I did see that one. I forgot about that one. This is a guy, Coastal Carolina. Great player. Um, he's super fast. Super fast. Um, great footwork. And, you know, like, it just seems like in the later rounds, pace just goes for the guys that had some sort of production in college. You know, he, he likes the high floor type of guys. And, you know, I'm with it. I'm completely with that. Another running back to add to the room. And, you know, it's it's great stuff. Great stuff. I'm excited about it. All right. Last few minutes. I mean, this is I, – I think we're all going – this is an A draft. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go A plus because that seems like kind of, you know eh, – We'll go with an A. We'll go with it. It seems gimmicky. For an A plus, yeah. Kevin's gonna go an A plus anyway, but I'm going A. I'll go A. I'm going. It's a. Un- it's unfortunate you you know obviously you had to do what you had to do. It's unfortunate not to have a pick between rounds two and five. Um, but you know that's just if that's what it took to get Tevin Jenkins, I'm totally fine with it. But I think that's why some people drop that grade down. Like maybe Mel Kiper had that B plus grade, not because he doesn't like Tevin Jenkins, not because he doesn't have a high grade on Justin mm-hmm. Fields, but because you don't, you aren't able to load up with prospects and, you know, rounds three and four where traditionally Ryan Pace has found um, some big time gems there. But nonetheless, I mean, I think we found those guys who many thought could be in rounds two, three, four uh, in rounds five, six. So um, you're, you're really happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom, like, 
like we said, I mean, they they got value on all their picks. And yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is phenomenal. Then you look at the guys they drafted individually and it's like, wow, like there's there's hope now. There's genuinely some hope now moving forward. It's great. Yeah, I, I mean, really, and, and we hyped up the last two picks, but after this class, and it's mo- it's largely because of those first two picks, just the direction of this franchise now is in such a better spot. It's so much easier to think of where this team is going and where they're going to be able to end up. Um, we're going to find out a lot about Matt Nagy this year. Um, I'm, I'm surprised yeah. we did not have uh, Bubba in the comments this week saying it doesn't matter because Matt Nagy is still there. I'm shocked mm-hmm. we didn't get that comment uh, because he's usually saying that every week whenever we discuss uh, possible fits on the offense. But it's, we're going to find out a lot about him. Ryan Pace showed that he still has those guts that everybody thought maybe he didn't have the guts to do anymore, make moves like this anymore. He did. And, you know, and like we said, our Justin Fields breakdown, we talked about him for 45 minutes in our previous episode. So go listen to that. Um, but it's great. It's a great feeling. I can't wait for rookie minicamps. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, also, just a reminder, we have Daz Newsom coming on next I was, week. Chris, so. let me wrap the – Look, no, no damn it, come on, man. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Everyone, stay tuned. <laughs> I got a system, man. I got a system, and you just completely you blew so, it up. I, you, you I, completely, I had to take that one this week. No, I, you know, you just you just made it your own. You just you sorry, know, the, the guy who never closes the show decided that he's gonna. You know what? You you the two of you really just every every Me? week. Also, oh, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> What do I don't do? Even give, don't innocent. even give me that. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, I'd also like to say I did not drop anything in this show. I was perfectly clean show. Clean show, 100%, no I drop. Know. So, you know, that's that. a that's a benchmark. Uh, that means I'm probably going to drop a million things next week. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. But anyway, all right, as Chris said to you guys, Daz Newsome next week, Bears rookie, to talk to us about his role on the Bears, where he sees his fit and being a Chicago Bear. So we're going to talk to Daz next week. Tune in for that. Go listen to our breakdown of Justin Fields uh, in our last episode. And, you know, just listen to this episode again because, you know, it just really soak it in, really soak in our – But for myself, Chris, Kevin, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you right back here next week at 8 o'clock. And as always, man, it feels good to say it this week, bear down. Bear down, baby. Bear down. Come